Our scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 15. And I'm reading from the NIV version. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is the word of our Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, welcome again to worship this morning. Today we're wrapping up our Love Song Sermon Series as we take a look at one of my all-time favorite songs by one of my all-time favorite bands, U2. But before we jump into this morning's sermon, I want to remind you of what you've heard so far in this series. Two weeks ago, Albert Williams um, brought the message about the blank space that each of us has in our hearts, uh, that empty spot in which God desires not only to write on, uh, but also in our hearts, so that we might find meaning and purpose and life as disciples of Jesus Christ so that we can know that we are claimed by God as sons and daughters, heirs to God's kingdom. Then last week we talked about how as human beings, we often find ourselves caught up in bad romances, that our hearts are deceitful and it's easy for us to find ourselves entangled and ensnared by lust because we've allowed lust to overtake us and drag us away from God and into idolatry. And we commit idolatry anytime we let anything other than God sit on the throne of our hearts. So, so far we've learned that we have a deep need for the love of God in our lives and we've learned how easy it is for us to give our love away to the wrong things. But this morning, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about what love compels us to do, what love compels us to do, which brings us to this morning's love song sung by, again, one of my favorite bands, U2. I had the opportunity um, just a few years back. I like to say just a few years back. It was really like 15 years ago. And I got to see you two at the Georgia Dome. That, tell, that dates me, right? I saw you two at the Georgia Dome, a building that no longer stands. So I got to see uh, you two in the Georgia Dome on their 360 tour. And um, it was just an incredible experience. There were moments where it was almost like a worship service um, there inside of the, uh, the Georgia Dome. Uh, but just before they began to sing the song Pride in the Name of Love, the whole arena went dark. And then The Edge plays this iconic riff. You know the first riff of In the Name of Love um, just by those first few notes that are played. And I just got chills. I was like, this is, this is why I came, right? To hear my favorite song and my favorite band uh, in this room that was nearly silent. But then just erupted when Bono began to sing the chorus. In the name of love, what more? In the name of love, in the name of love, what more? in the name of love. If you don't know the song, Pride in the Name of Love, I encourage you to give it a listen. It's one of uh, their all-time greatest songs. And In the Name of Love is a song that's about two people, Jesus and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and what they did in the name of love. 
This was an especially poignant moment in the concert for me because I knew that just beyond the shadow of the Georgia Dome sat Ebenezer Baptist Church, the place where Martin Luther King came to faith, the place where he was leading the congregation throughout the civil rights movement. It was there at Ebenezer Baptist Church as a first-year seminarian that I began to understand that faith in Jesus is not simply about a private conviction or private commitment, but instead is about a public call to make the world more like the kingdom of God. That faith is not simply a private conviction, but is a public call to work for God and for God's purposes in this world. As you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. helped to lead the civil rights movement here in America with a dream that one day his four little children and indeed all of our children would live in a nation where they would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Dr. King's convictions about racial equality stems from his, stemmed from his deeply held belief that every person is created in the image of God. And if you need a point of reference for that conviction, it comes to us from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And for Dr. King, that meant that every person was deserving of human dignity and deserving of equal rights, derived not from the state, not from the government, not from some other power, but from God himself. It was these convictions and this belief that the love of God was drawing all people into the beloved community that led him to do more than just preach sermons and write papers. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the truth about preachers for just a second, because I am one. <laughs> Friends, it's easy to preach sermons and to write papers. It's easy. I can do that from the comfort of my office. Did you know that? I can preach sermons and write papers and never carry my faith or my convictions beyond the walls of the church. I could begin to think that all I really need to do is make sure that you walk out of here with the right sort of thoughts and feelings. But that would miss the point. Dr. King, Dr. King was compelled by the love of God to engage in nonviolent protests for the sake of others to travel from city to city facing insults and violence and incarceration so that one day others might be free, so that others might have equal rights in this country and around the world. You can't achieve that without leaving your office. It's not simply achieved by preaching sermons and writing papers. You have to get out. You have to go. You have to be with the people. You might have thought that Dr. King's dream was crushed on April 4th, 1968, when he was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. But no, his dream, his cause, his life lived on and transformed our nation and our world because he was compelled by the love of God to act in the name of love. Jesus was compelled by the love of God too. Philippians tells us that Jesus left heaven, the Son of God left heaven and came to earth putting on flesh 
in being made in human likeness, suffering death for our sake, so that in his name every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We get caught up in the Jesus Christ is Lord part all the time, but we must understand that it's God's love that sends his son to earth to teach us and to show us the way to eternal life. Jesus himself tells us that in John 3, 16 and 17. He says, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's God's love that compels God to send his son. It's God's love that compels Jesus to call disciples to come and be fishers of men. It's, it's God's love that calls Jesus to teach people about the nature of the kingdom of God and what living as a part of that kingdom looks like. It's the love of God that compels Jesus to preach to the multitudes and to perform miracles that transform people's lives in the moment. It's God's love that compels him. It's God's love that gives him the strength to endure the shame of the cross and to bear our sin on it. And it's God's love that raises him from the dead because God's love, friends, is unconquerable, undefeatable, and unstoppable. It's God's love that saves us from our own sin and our own death and opens up eternity for us. Sin, hell, and death couldn't defeat the love of God and that unconquerable, undefeatable, unstoppable love is still transforming our lives and our homes and our church and our world today. Now it's easy, friends, to simply sit back and be thankful for the love of God that has saved us and transforms us. And we ought to be thankful for that incredible gift of love, for that inc incredible gift of grace. But we can't stop at just being thankful. We ought to be compelled. We ought to be compelled like Jesus, like Martin Luther King Jr., like the saints of this church who have come before us to take the love, the grace, the hope, the peace, the joy that we have received from God to transform our world out there. We ought to be compelled by the love of God to transform our community in the name of Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been compelled to act? Have you ever been in a situation where you looked around and said, somebody's got to do something? And then you began to realize that somebody is me. You've had those moments, right? when you felt like you could no longer sit back and be silent. You've had those moments when the Holy Spirit tapped you on the shoulder and said, go, you, go. You've had those moments, haven't you? I know you have. You saw a family of orphans with no home in Uganda and you said, we've got to do something about that. So you built a house that became a church for that family and for a whole community. You found out that children were going hungry every weekend and you said, we've got to do something about that. And you did. 
He started the Backpack Buddy program and the can-do ministries here at the church to make sure that if someone's hungry, they can have some food. You heard that people around our town experiencing homelessness had no place to shower and said, we've got to do something about that. And so 25 years ago, you built a fellowship hall with showers in it so that people could have the dignity of being clean. Just a few weeks ago, when you heard that people were going to have to sleep outside on those cold winter nights, you said, we've got to do something about that. And you opened our church as a warming shelter. You heard that children in the Dominican Republic and in the places that we go on mission trips to didn't have proper clothing. And you said, we've got to do something about that. And you started sewing for missions. Don't miss out on the fashion show coming up in a couple weeks. In every instance, you were compelled by the love of God to act and to make a difference. You were compelled by the love of God stirring inside your hearts to do something that mattered in this moment for the sake of someone else. Y'all, that's the love of God compelling you to do more than just be thankful for what God has done. That's Christ's love compelling you to action. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Earlier in the chapter, he calls uh, us sons and daughters of God. And then he tells us that Christ's love compels us because we are convinced, convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live, that's you and me, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Christ's love compels us to no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and was raised again for us. I'm going to say that again. Christ's love compels us to no longer live for ourselves but for him who died for us and raised uh, and was raised again for us. Christ's love compels us to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, absolutely, but also to love our neighbors as ourselves, to no longer live our lives for ourselves, but for Christ, for the kingdom, and for others in the name of love. Friends, and we live our lives in the name of love, compelled by the love of God. Our lives, our impact, our legacy doesn't end when we draw our last breath on earth. No, it rings on into eternity. Because anything done in the love of Christ and in the name of Jesus echoes on forever. It goes on. I think one of the deep longings of every human heart is to leave a legacy. It's to make a difference in the world. And when we choose to live our lives compelled by the love of Christ, we make a mark that can't be erased on human history. 
when we live our lives compelled by the love of Christ, responding to God's Holy Spirit and the nudgings that God gives us day after day, our lives are transformed. And our world is as well. So maybe you have a dream given to you by God. Would you let God and God's love compel you to action? Maybe you've had this feeling in the pit of your stomach that's been sort of gnawing at you that says somebody's got to do something. Well, friend, maybe you're that somebody. Would you let love compel you to action? Would you dare to allow God to use you and your gifts and your talents and your skills and your abilities amplified by the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our world in Jesus' name? Would you be willing to be compelled by the love of God? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that your love didn't just sit on the sidelines, but instead put on flesh and came to dwell among us full of grace and truth in the life of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for the pattern that he gave us, going to you day after day and responding to the needs in the world around him with your love and with your grace. May you teach us, God, to see the world's needs and respond in the same way. May we, as your people, be compelled by your love to offer gifts of transformation and new life to the people around us. May you put our hands to the work of ministry and building your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Help us, O God, to not be callous and to not ignore the calls that you place in our heart, but instead give us the courage to go and to live in your love. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.